Welcome to the Momenta Partners Uncommon Perspectives podcast series. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner. In this series, we bring you some of the most insightful and creative thinkers, authors, and practitioners who share their experiences and views across a range of topics that have relevance, not just for business, but for life as well. We hope you enjoy their insights. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momenta Podcasts. Today, uh, our guest is Dr. Lehman Baird, co-founder and chief scientist of Hedera, uh, Hedera Hashgraph. Um, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners, and we're going to have a have an opportunity to dive into uh, the the story, the company, and uh, this is some of the most interesting technology out there. I've had the opportunity to uh, you know to follow some of the work that uh, that the team's been doing over the last uh, couple of years, and and Hedera's. Uh, Hedera Hashgraph has been a, a guest on one of our prior webinars, so I could say we've, you know, we're, we're, we've been actively, enthusiastically following the developments in the, uh, on the company. But, um, but anyway, uh, first of all, uh, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here with you. Thanks. Well, I'd love to just start out with a bit of your background. I, uh, you know, rather than read your, read your bio, I'd love to un- just uh, get a little bit of context and, and understand a bit more uh, of your history and, and what really brought you to your current role. Okay. Well, I'm a computer scientist. I just love playing with computers and algorithms and that sort of thing. I was a professor. I've been a scientist in a lot of labs. Uh, my PhD is from Carnegie Mellon in computer science, and I've started a bunch of companies, and all of them have have dealt with computer science projects and algorithms and interesting things like that. So I just, I love solving puzzles. And so I do that for fun. I teach people things about it and I start companies that use the solutions to the puzzles. Yeah. Well, Hedera is really one of the, is, you know, has uh, garnered quite a lot of attention and, and the hash crash con- consensus algorithm, of course, is uh, really the, I would say the, you know, the, the, the central technology around around Hedera, but could you talk about the background of the company and uh, and then we'll we'll um, we'll get into the uh, get into the technology a little later. Sure. So originally it was just an interesting problem. Could we have some kind of a system for allowing people to share a space on the internet that they wouldn't have to pay some server to be holding it, it would just be their own computers, but it'd be trustworthy and it'd be super fast. And it just it was an interesting math problem. I kept working on it and convincing myself, no, it's not actually possible. You could be secure or fast. You can't be both. And uh, eventually, I kept putting it aside, but it kept coming back and haunting me and gnawing at me. And I just kept working on it and eventually realized, oh, if you just store a couple of hashes with each message, then you can get a complete history of the messages. And then you can just know the answer without having to talk to each other about what order to put them in. And you get the ABFT, the strongest security possible, and and it is extremely fast. Uh, in some senses, it's about as fast as the internet would allow, and the laws of mathematics would allow. Uh, we can talk about that. But it seemed like a really good system. It it's the highest security, and it's fair, which other systems are not. Uh, fairness of ordering. So we started a company, Swirls, 
to make this into private ledgers. So if you and some people you know want to stand up your own computers and create a private ledger, Swirls lets you create a private ledger with Hashgraph. We started with that, not with a public ledger, because there's this chicken and egg problem. You have to show that it works well before people will trust it for a public ledger. But in 2016, we said, okay, we are um, <laughs> releasing to the world this idea that we have this private ledger, but when we get traction, what we need to do is create a public ledger. That's really what you want to do. And we've got to build trust. So we've got to build a council of the most trusted companies in the world and make sure they are diverse. Make sure they are on different continents and in different areas, you know, different industries, and that they will even be diverse in time, put term limits on them. And that was the genesis of Hedera. Let's take this great technology that we've been using for private networks, let's make it a public network, and let's make this public ledger be run by people you can trust who are diverse enough that you couldn't have you couldn't bribe them all to do something bad. That's a it was a it's a it's a unique approach in the uh, I would say in the distributed ledger space to to have this council. Could you talk about the you know the structure of the governing council uh, for Hedera? Um, it's you know how how it's different and and how it works and you know what what some of the advantages of of your approach are. I think you alluded to it before, but uh, you know what we're, what we're what are what are some of the advantages of, of having that uh, having that model? Yeah. So you could just say, well, we'll just let whatever programmers are most into this, or let some of the miners that are into this vote, um, and let them run it. Uh, but then, of course, they get into disagreements. And what do they do whenever they disagree? Well, they they split. They have forks. And when your state is splitting, that can be a really bad thing. It's not bad in the early days. But what we realize is that as this industry matures, if you're going to store Information like who owns what real estate, right? You want to do this so that title searches are really fast. Then you can't afford to have it be splitting just because the developers got mad or some of the miners got mad and half of them wanted to start a new ledger with the same state. Because then who owns your house would be stored in two different ledgers. And if you sold your house, you might only update one and not the other. And then people have to wonder who owns the house for real. Which one is the real ledger? Uh, there, if you want to have... If you want to digitize the Mona Lisa, you, um, you can't have two different sets of shares in it. You have to know which one is the real one. So it's important to actually have a governance system, not just whatever people come out of the word work that want to work on it and want to help govern it, because that's just going to lead to splitting. You need a real governance system. But you need to have a system where it will be very hard to bribe some of them to do something wrong. And so what we did is we said, we're going to have 39 of the biggest companies in the world, Fortune 100 equivalents around the world, and we will have them be the governors. We'll have term limits. It's a three-year term. You can only do two terms in a row. So after six years, you have to leave, and the rest get to vote on who will replace you. We have to have them in different industries. We have 18 different market sectors, and we are um, saying we're just going to split it evenly across those. So we can only have a few in each one, You know, about three in each market sector, and then no more. So we can't be all banks or all technology companies or all telecoms or all stores. Uh, we want to have diversity and be on different continents, be in where we're under different governments so that no one government could control the whole system. Everything we're doing is about trust to make sure it is widespread, decentralized in that sense. 
And so really we have the most decentralized governance that can actually govern. Mm. And so we'll have 39. Uh, we've, we've announced the first five. We have some more that have signed up that we haven't announced. Uh, we have been very diverse already, even with the first five. So we have the largest bank in Japan, Nomura, and we have the largest telecom in Europe, Deutsche Telekom. We have Swisscom blockchain for technology, and then we have one of the largest online and brick-and-mortar retailers in Latin America, uh, Magalu, Magazine Luisa. And we have DLA Piper, one of the world's largest law firms. So we are spread on different continents, in different industries, but they are very big trusted names in every case, companies that have been around for a long time. And the whole goal from the beginning has been to build a ledger that is going to last for 100 years. 100 years from now, this should be continuing. And so we've been trying to build the trust from the very beginning with this council. Could you explain the role of the governing council compared to a, uh, a traditional open source project? And I think it's there's an important distinction here because what Hedera is doing is is really uh, advancing a new approach to uh, to building you know building technology. I mean, in the past, if you had a proprietary software technology, right? I mean, the source code's all closed, and and the decisions tend to be made, uh, you know, fairly fairly top down, and 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 certainly with uh, open source projects that have uh, associated themselves with a foundation, for instance, you know, you do have some uh, some somewhat of a centralized uh, a structure that will determine you know, what what code gets built in or what features get built into the projects. But, you know, I'd love to understand a bit of the, the, your thinking in terms of how the, the role that the Governance Council will take and and what what ultim how how that ultimately is going to function in terms of advancing the you know the technology and the features uh, and the capabilities of the uh, of of the uh, of the product. Yeah. So the main thing that governance is all about is governing the code base. How will it change over time? What features will be added in what order? And governing the pricing and the economic structure of it. So what will the prices be to do transactions on the network? Those sorts of things. Uh, these are the things that they will be taking care of. So, for example, um, they've committed themselves to having a fixed coin supply. You're not going to have coin inflation over time. There are 50 billion H-bars. There will never be another H-bar. And so they're, they keep track and make sure that that is the case, and they make sure the code stays that. They have the ability to govern. The code will evolve the way that they want, and we're doing everything we can. We even have technological ways of doing it where there's state proofs that have a ledger ID that makes it hard to split the state and to fool people into thinking that you have the real one. If there's ever a disagreement and half the miners go one way and half go the other way, how do you know which one is the real one? Well, there's actually a, a cryptographic way here of, of uh, determining that. And so we, we are doing everything we can to make it so that it can't split, that it'll be run by one group, and then making that group trustworthy. So what does the group do? They vote on the big decisions of the way forward with um, the features and how it will run and things that it will do. It will grow over time to have lots of nodes, but they want to make sure it happens in a way that is secure. They will be monitoring what happens with the coin supply. They will be um, uh, setting the prices. And, uh, and that's the purpose of the council.
And we've already had a number of meetings. Uh, we've had a couple of in-person meetings where the whole council got together, and now we're starting to have committee meetings, committees within the council. Well, I think that's it's really critical to to be able to have this you know this level of engagement from established companies, right? For this, uh, you know, for for uh, essentially a new generation of technologies or a category of, of technologies to to see real acceptance, and and uh, that's that always really struck me that this was uh, you know highly innovative, and of course they're they're going to be purists on one side or the other that will will prefer a you know one 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 approach or another but uh you know i i, I appreciate the uh the explanation and and I, I think it's um it it you know really is is quite visionary um would love to talk next about the you know how the technology works how um you know how the how the hash graph uh protocol works and and or the consensus algorithm and and uh just understand a little bit of uh what makes it unique and how uh how it differs from some of the other more uh you know better known uh consensus algorithms yeah so it is fundamentally different from the other algorithms that you're familiar with. It's not proof of stake. I mean, it's not proof of work. It's proof of stake, which means that we don't have to waste supercomputers and buy huge supercomputers and waste lots of electricity to do it. Uh, the way that it works is you spread messages with gossip, which is the simplest possible way. You just call people at random and tell them everything you know that they don't know. And they tell you everything that they know that you don't know. And you just do that randomly with people over and over again. So messages spread out extremely fast. This is basically the fastest, most resilient way we know to have messages spread out. And if you want to have any kind of a ledger where everybody learns all the transactions, you're going to have to do that. So everybody does gossip. Then what we do is every time you send someone a message, you just tag on two little hashes, which are just compressed versions, fingerprints of the last message you created and the last message you received. So when you send me a message, you will tag on at the bottom the hash of the last message you created and the last message you received from someone else. And the thing that we are gossiping is this big pile of messages. But the messages, because of those hashes, are themselves telling us how we talked to each other. In fact, if I look at this big pile of messages and look at how the hashes connect them, they form a graph which shows me a history of how we all talk to each other. But if I have that, then I know what you know. And I know when you learned it and who you learned it from and where they learned it and when they learned it and who they learned it from. I can see just in what I'm holding in my pile of messages, I can see how information has flowed through the whole network. And I can actually use that to do very strong asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerant consensus algorithms to um, put them all in order in a way that's guaranteed to be the same way that everyone else will put them in order. And we don't have to talk to each other at all about that. So you just gossip about the transactions, the bare minimum that any algorithm would have to do that. You add a tiny bit of extra information with these two hashes in each message. And then with zero more communication, you come to consensus. And you know what the answer is. After you, you know, when you receive a message, after you receive a few more, you will suddenly know what order that first message was in the consensus order. And it's asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerant, which means that even if almost a third of the computers are malicious, we're still fine. We will still make progress. We'll still come to a conclusion in a few seconds with true finality. We have complete finality and know for sure within a few seconds 
And nobody can stop us if there's just less than a third of the computers being malicious. And even if there are firewalls between us that slow down our messages by arbitrary amounts, we still will keep making progress as long as we can talk at all, no matter how much our messages are slowed down. And we will all come to the same conclusion, guaranteed. And that's asynchronous. And that means it's really hard to shut down the network. It's uh it's really unique when you when you describe how uh, I would say how how lean you know the concept is and you know ultimately uh, how it can scale. Could you could you share a bit of insight on on you know how this uh, how the system can translate as as you had mentioned earlier into a really a massively scalable but also a uh, an extremely fast uh, uh, system. Oh yeah. So <laughs> it, it spreads at the speed of the gossip and the gossip is the fastest way that we know to spread things across the internet. So we've done experiments on computers around the world in different continents. And we find that just to gossip the messages out, you can do hundreds of thousands a second. It's very, very fast. And if you're processing these transactions, you can be very fast, especially if you use a GPU to, to uh, do the signature verifications and do all the hashes and things. So even when we have our open access this summer, where we open it up to the whole world to use it, um, we're going to have cryptocurrency transactions at you know, 10,000 a second, and uh, we're running at you know, twice that speed in our labs right now. We expect that when we get the GPU integrated that we'll be running much faster. So it will be extremely fast. In some fundamental sense, it should be as fast as the internet allows. It just, the laws of mathematics don't let you um, be any faster in some sense, because every transaction, you have to receive it once and send it once on average with this algorithm. Well, if everyone's going to get the message, then everyone has to receive it. There's no way to be faster than that. Um, so it is extremely scalable and fast in that sense. Now, we can also do sharding if you want to do that. If you want to be really fast, you want to go millions or billions or trillions a second, you go to shards, and we can do that. But shards aren't a, a cure-all. They don't solve everything. So it really is helpful to be fast in your central ledger as well. You can always do layer two stuff where you push things out to the peripheries, but there's limits to that. Uh, it really does help to have extreme fastness, uh, speed in the center. But it isn't just speed. Fairness is something no one talks about. We actually put them into a fair order where no one person ever gets to um, unduly influence the order of the transactions. And I'm not aware of any systems out there, any um, ledgers in, in widespread use that have fairness like this. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's, there is no miner who gets to decide whether, what order two transactions go in. There is no single proposer or no single coordinator or no single leader um, who gets to decide that. It's the whole group as a whole says when they receive your message and they all say what time they received your message. And whichever time is in the middle of that list, that's the time that you get as an official timestamp. Mm -hmm. And they're sorted by that timestamp. Totally fair. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really, uh, really ingenious. Um, would love to understand some of the particular use cases that uh, that where were you're finding that the the technology is is well suited for. Uh, and it, particularly as we think of uh, Internet of Things uh, dis distributed systems where you are where you have you know, physical systems that are you know trying to communicate with each other or exchange value. What 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 are some of the uh, use cases that you are, are particularly excited about? 
<laughs> so we've had a lot of interest in things like asset tokenization, where you take stocks or you take real estate or whatever, you tokenize it. We've had a lot of interest in people looking at uh, track and trace, provenance. So if you're buying diamonds, are they blood diamonds? Did they come from conflict or are they legitimate? Can you buy them in good conscience? Or if you're buying food or pharmaceuticals, where was it before it came to your table? Is it really something you want to eat? Or is it uh, shaky? Or is its background shaky? Or was it produced by slave labor or oppressed people? You want to know that it's history. And so you can do the provenance on that. Uh, we've had people very interested in credential management. Uh, we have revocation service kind of woven through all of our services, which allows you to store credentials and revoke them when you want. And whoever issues you the credential can revoke it. So your driver's license or a diploma or, or a certificate that says you are a doctor or whatever. Um, we have uh, people using this for healthcare system, trying to um, get the uh, ability for any doctor to be able to write prescriptions to any pharmacist and it can match them up and you can have them match up with patients so the patients know the credentials of the doctor. And if the credentials revoked, everybody finds out about it. Uh, so these are all interesting things. Micropayments are really big because we're so fast. We have a Chrome extension that plugs into your Chrome browser, and now your Chrome browser, when you're browsing the internet, can be paying for websites or music or videos or whatever as you're going, a, you know, a tiny fraction of a cent for each one. Because we're so fast, we can be very cheap, and that means that micropayments make sense. I wouldn't pay a hundredth of a penny for a website if I was going to pay 50 cents as my fee. But if I'm paying a tiny, tiny fraction of a cent as my fee, I can do it. So we enable that kind of thing. But these are just applications that people were talking about before last week. What happened last week mm. is going to make these much more powerful. And you mentioned IoT. And there's a lot of things you can do with IoT, with services discovery and databases of, of um, um, what the status is of IoT devices and also what services are offering at what price. All sorts of things like that. Matching can happen between them. But what happened last week really changes things. We announced our consensus service. And we can talk more about that if you'd like. Oh, we'd love, kind of love to changer. hear it. Absolutely. Yeah, please uh, please share uh, the the details of the service and and uh, and, and what what can it do? <laughs> so this, this Hashgraph algorithm is kind of cool. Uh, as I said, it's faster, it's more secure, it's ABFT, nobody else is ABFT. It has this fairness property, nobody else has that. And so what do we do with it? Well, first we built private ledgers, then we built this public ledger and we did the normal things on the public ledger. We have three services. We have cryptocurrency and we have files and we have smart contracts. So you can run smart contracts on it and you can store files and delete them and read them and you can have a cryptocurrency, the HBAR. Standard things that you would do on a ledger but they worked really well because they were all on this really powerful ABFT consensus engine. Now, we are offering a fourth service which exposes the underlying engine. It allows developers to use this new consensus service to basically use our consensus engine and to use the trust they have in our governing council and in our nodes to amplify the trust of some other network that they built. So this is different from a typical layer two thing. It is different from a side ledger or a side chain, and it is different from sharding. It's even different from our mirror net. It's different from all these things. Here's what happens. You and other people set up your own um, set of computers. Maybe you're setting up your own stock market or your own auctioning thing. 
just for your own personal use. Or maybe you're setting up something like an auction site for the whole world to use. So it could be public or it could be private. Either way, you have a bunch of computers. Maybe you're playing a game and you have a bunch of computers that are involved in this network playing the game together. The processing is happening on this network. So it doesn't have to load, uh, you know, slow down the main network. And the storage of the information is on this local information in this local network for the long term. So you don't have to use up lots of hard drive space on, on expensive mainnet nodes. But the transactions you're doing, you send them as messages to Hedera. Hedera puts them in order, puts timestamps on them, and sends them back to you along with cryptographic proofs that it's telling the truth, that, that you can prove to other people that this is the true order. At that point, your local network is extremely fast. The throughput, of course, is going to be enormous because it's flowing through Hedera. It's going to be very cheap because Hedera can handle so many per second. And Hedera is not having to do the processing. Hedera is not having to do the storage. You have the guarantee that they're in a fair order that's useful for something like sales or, or auction sites or a stock market or a market for parts in a supply chain management system. Uh, you want fairness. It ensures fairness. And even if the computers in your application network aren't trusted, if even one of them is trusted, then you can trust the whole results because you have these proofs coming from Hedera. So really, you're inheriting the trust of Hedera. If you trust that Hedera has more than two-thirds of its nodes being honest, then in your application network, you only need to trust one node as being honest. And if you're running one of the nodes, you trust yourself and you're done. Mm. You have 100% trust. And if there's ever a dispute, you can just go to the court and say, look, here's the list of the messages. Here's what we calculated from them. And here's a proof from Hedera that this really is truly the right ordering for these messages. And you could prove to a court. You could prove to an auditor. Mm. Um, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say that that you have taken a, uh, a a really open approach to enabling people to write smart contracts on uh, really on your platform, and and uh, was just going to uh, was going to go into wanted wanted to uh, ask a bit about how what you what you have done to enable people to build applications and and employ smart contracts on on the platform. Oh yeah, so we have solidity. You could take a smart contract that you wrote for Ethereum and just move it over to us unchanged and it will run perfectly well. And so every smart contract that's ever been written for solidity just runs uh, right on top of us. All those from Ethereum would just run directly on top of us. You can do that from day one and it's easy and it's what you're used to. And we have Chainlink providing um, services for oracles. So you can even use oracles on it. We have, even though we don't have blocks, we've implemented the command that says, tell me the timestamp on this block. And that allows you to do things like atomic swaps with other ledgers. So all the things that you would want, you can do. And all the code you've already written, you can use. If you have developers who are familiar with the language, they can get right to work. And you don't have to stand up any nodes. You just run it on top of us. Or you can do this thing with the consensus service and actually make it run at the speed of a native service on your own app net, which is faster and maybe cheaper and maybe cleaner. And you can write in any language you want, not just Solidity. The downside, of course, is that you have to manage the, this other network. Your application network, you have to find computers for it and hook them together and manage how they're connecting and everything. And that's where the partnership with IBM comes in. So using Hyperledger Fabric, 
you can um, easily manage your app net. You can stand up your app net and manage it so that it becomes easier. So that actually may get people to switch from smart contracts to just building app nets mm. in many cases because you get increased speed and privacy. You can have complete privacy there. In a smart contract, you don't have privacy. But if you want to do a smart contract, we support it. But if you want to do this thing on the app net using our consensus service, you could use Hyperledger Fabric. And we jointly authored a paper with IBM, with Brian Gross at IBM to do that. And we just had a webinar last week and I talked for the webinar and also Brian talked on the webinar. So it was us and IBM together doing the webinar. Fantastic. Could you talk a bit about some of the important partnerships and, and uh, you know the, some of the key players in, in, in your ecosystem? Yes. So we have <laughs> IBM is a key player here that we just talked about with Hyperledger Fabric. We also have over 500 dApps that have already said they're going to be running on top of us and have been talking with us. And they have even um, um, you know, a dozen of them are, or a bunch of them are planning to launch on day one of our OA. We're going to get them put on the network before OA so that they can turn on right at the moment of OA and open access when we open up to the world. In addition, there are people who have stood up things, not even, you know, we didn't do it. They just did it, like Helix. The Helix incubator is really interesting, the Helix accelerator. So what they do is they find people who have cool ideas that they want to build on top of Hashgraph or on top of Hedera, and they fund them. They give them a stipend. They bring them to their accelerator offices for 10 weeks. They teach them about how you do a startup and how you develop stuff. They let them work for 10 weeks and build their applications. And then at the end, they all present what they have created. And the best ones get further funding to develop a company. And they only do it for companies building on top of Hedera. And they've already had their first 10-week uh, program happen and the first batch of, of companies went through. Uh, it's very cool. So Helix is doing this accelerator. And that wasn't even us. It was just someone else wanted to do it. Uh, and you know, I said the chain, uh, Chainlink is doing the... Um, Oracle stuff, which is an important part of the ecosystem. Of course, everybody who has any tools that work with Solidity already work with us, so our ecosystem is large in that case. We have an SDK that we wrote in Java, but outside people have written SDKs in a bunch of other languages. We have a community that's developing this open source software. And our whole stack, aside from the ledger, is open source. And so the SDKs are open source, and our wallet on iOS and Android is open source, and we have people that are contributing to that. We have uh, plug into the Chrome extension, for the, uh, plug into the Chrome browser that I told you about. That's open source. And we have people then that can get involved in that at hashgraph.org is, uh, is where some of that stuff is living. Uh, so that's just the ecosystem building around us. And that doesn't even mention the really big companies that are interested in using this for enterprise uh, applications, including our own council members. Like DLA Piper is one of the world's largest legal firms. They are really interested in asset tokenization. And they plan to be doing that on Hedera. And very interesting things will come out of that. No, that sounds, uh, it sounds really exciting. So just wanted to ask if there, if, if there are any misperceptions about Hedera that, uh, that you encounter uh, out in the market as you're, as you're evangelizing and, and building, the, uh, building the community. You know, I don't think it's misperceptions. I think it's just lack of knowledge. Um, like people maybe aren't aware that we're ABFT or they, don't, they know it, but they, well, what does it matter? Well, what it matters is can people shut down the network easily? If you can shut down the network, that's a bad thing. 
Uh, if you're just playing games, maybe it doesn't matter if the network goes down for a few hours. But if this is supposed to be a real world important thing, you know, uh, a major companies building on top of it, you can't afford for that to happen. So ABFT is important. Or what about fairness of ordering? If you just are playing games, maybe actually even with games, you care about fairness of ordering. Um, if all you're doing is very slow things, maybe you don't care much about the ordering. But if you wanted to do a stock market or an auction or you wanted to do um, a, a game, then the ordering matters a lot. And the fairness of ordering matters a lot. And we're the only ones that are doing it. We order based on the median of when everyone in the network receives it, everyone who's active. And we're ABFT on deciding who was active. So people don't know about these things. And then, of course, the really big news is the consensus service. And that just was released last week. We just told people about that. We've already integrated it with Hyper Hyperledger Fabric. And this is an enormous game changer. And I think it's just going to take time for people to wrap their minds around what it means to have such a service. Yeah, there was uh, another uh Big announcement last week, which was the uh, the launch or the announcement of Libra by Facebook, and uh, you had uh, your team has uh, posted an interesting observation on 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 your uh, on your blog. I'd love to get your your thoughts on the on the implications of, of Libra and uh, really your 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 view on the on the broader state of the uh, we'll call it the the crypto market. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. So. Um, it was fun. We said, well, thank you, Facebook. Um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And basically, you pointed out, people may not, um, you know, at first glance say, wow, having a governing council is a bad idea. This is a horrible thing because I want to, don't want to trust anyone. But what people are slowly starting to realize is well, you have to trust someone. Even if it's a bunch of warring developers that are running your ledger, you have to trust them to do the right thing and to not split it again. Um, and so... People are starting to realize, yeah, you really do need a council. And I be, <laughs> Facebook was just uh, validating that model by setting up a council of their own. They were very much uh, you know, doing what we did. And I think the whole market is starting to realize this. They're just part of the validation of us, that, that we really are doing things the right way. And this is what people need to do. Uh, also, I just think that this Facebook announcement is probably good for the whole market. In fact, even before that, I think that you could say we are coming out of crypto winter. Um, you know, you could look at the price of Bitcoin and say we're coming out of crypto winter. You could look at the announcement from Facebook and say we're coming out of crypto winter. We are into the next phase of the history of ledgers, distributed ledger technology, DLTs, cryptocurrencies, all of that. And of course, that's just setting the stage for the bigger things coming, tokenization of assets and um, storing the information, actually storing the information in ledgers. People have been talking about it for years, but no one's ever done it. I think we're getting to the point where people are going to start using distributed ledger technology for all those things that we've been talking about for years. Mm. Uh, this is this is a really interesting place in history, and uh, I think that this market is exploding and is just going to get hotter over time. Uh, <laughs> this really has the potential to change the world. Uh, it's a it's it's pretty remarkable. So so what's in store for Hedera over the next uh, twelve to eighteen months? Are there uh, any kind of key uh, landmarks or uh, uh, achievements that you guys are hoping to uh, uh, hoping to post in, over the next? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're in our second test program right now. We're ramping up to a hundred thousand people. If you go to Hedera.com, you can actually. Uh, 
sign up and become one of our testers. I think it's hitair.com slash portal. And we're giving away free HBARs that you can earn. We're not giving them away. You can earn them by testing our network. And then if you're a developer, you can run on our test nets as well and earn coins for doing that. But normal people would just be on the main net and earn coins for using our main net. We're ramping up to 100,000 people getting accounts to be testing it. That's what we're doing right now. And then this summer, the test program will end and we will have OA. Open access is when the whole world will be able to use Hedera. Anybody can create accounts. Anybody can do anything they want on it. And that will be the summer. And so we're looking forward to that. Going forward, we will be also announcing more council members. We announced the first five. We have some more that we're about to announce. Uh, this summer, we'll do that probably before OA. And then we have others coming in the pipeline very rapidly. What we've noticed is that the more traction we get, the, more, the easier it is to find people that want to be council members. And we have a very high bar. Uh, we are only letting the very top people in each industry join us, and we're ensuring diversity. Over time, over the next year and a half, we will continue to add features. We will continue to move down the path towards things like um, having more and more nodes and then eventually sharding. When you have enough nodes that you can trust, you can go to sharding. We have this path to uh, going to being purely permissionless, where anonymous people can run nodes and anybody can run a node. And we had a webinar that explains the whole path to that. Uh, we have the release schedule for our tokens. I told you that we are never allowing inflation, and we have set out a 15-year release schedule for the tokens. They will be released to the market along this trajectory. It's a nice flat trajectory, just a constant state, uh, rate of release for 15 years. Uh, we will be encouraging uh, companies to be building on us and building an ecosystem, doing training, building tools, organizing the community. You know, we have meetups all around the world. Lots of cities have meetups where people get together and talk about us. And we'll be encouraging them to do even more and to be building on top of us. Um, we have a Discord channel for lots of developers and a Telegram channel and all sorts of things. And they will continue to talk about it. So I think that we are right now in a very exciting time. We're about to have OA. We're on a trajectory to be doing a lot of really interesting things. And, uh, and I just can't wait to see all the things that people will build on us beyond the 500 companies that have already talked to us, developers that have already talked to us. Well, fantastic. I, I think you alluded to a lot of the resources, but just um, just a final question. Are, are there, um, you know, where, where can people go to learn more about the, about the project and, and get involved? Yeah, go to Hedera.com, H-E-D-E-R-A, Hedera.com, and you can find out about all these things. Uh, Hedera.com slash portal is um, how you can get into our portal where you can get an, a profile and then you can get a free account and, and earn HBARs. Uh, there's also hashgraph.org, which is the community site. And uh, it has some repos where we have the open source stuff that the community is developing. Uh, and a lot of the open source stuff that we have, some of it's available on hedera.com, but a lot of our open source stuff that we develop, we also put into hashgraph.org so that other people can play with it and can add to it and change it and fork it and do whatever they want with it. Um, those are the main places. There's also a YouTube channel. Hedera has a YouTube channel. And if you go there, you can see a million videos. Of all of them, the one I would recommend the most is this most recent webinar on the consensus service because it's a new kind of thing. And it, the implications are really interesting. And it's worth thinking about. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. Really 
appreciate the uh, the insights and the uh, just an enormous amount of information. Uh, thank you. This, I, this has been a conversation with Dr. Lehman Baird, who's the co-founder and chief scientist of Adera. And once again, this has been uh, Ed McGuire, the insights partner at Momenta Partners with another episode of our podcast. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's been great talking with you. You've been listening to Momenta Partners Uncommon Perspectives podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions and we, as always, welcome your comments, input, and suggestions. Thank you for listening.